Cody Kempner, and welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I'm really excited today to be talking with Beth Hitchcock, who is the founder of Fluffy. Beth, welcome. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I love that name, Fluffy. Fluffy with an I. Yes, Fluffy with an I. <laughs> so we'll talk about Fluffy with an I, but before we get there, can you just tell us a little bit about your career journey? Yeah. So I um, have been in the fashion industry for over 15 years now. Um, I went to school for fashion design at the DOT program at University of Cincinnati. So I started my career in design after that and then moved into publishing. And I was at Lucky Magazine, RIP, no longer exists. Uh, <laughs> I know I was lucky. It was the best magazine. It truly was. But um, unfortunately, most publishing is going away. And that was one of the first at Condé Nast. Um, so I was there for a few years. And then I realized pretty quickly that I actually love the like end product, which is the photo shoot. Um, and it was the same in design too. I felt like it just took so long to see the result. And I loved how fast we could see the result in um, styling. And I just gravitated towards being on set. So I left to start freelance styling. I started assisting um, working for a zillion different companies. And then from there, I grew my own portfolio and started getting my own clients as um, the lead stylist. And I I worked in the music industry a bit. I worked in um, for a lot of different fashion brands, some editorial, from catalog to advertising to all of it. And then I definitely started to find my niche in the plus size market because I am plus size and I definitely gravitated towards it. Um, I was just more passionate about it in general. So that's where my focus led me to within styling. And then I also started modeling. That's been about four years now. Um, and so I, I was doing both of those. And then within that, doing some art directing and starting to consult on some brand stuff as well. So let's talk for a second um, about your time at Lucky. I loved Lucky since the first issue and it used to come with those stickers and you yes. would turn the pages and the one you wanted. You, oh, I loved it. But I also remember that there was a, like a scandal, maybe that's too strong of a word, but a number of years ago when Jessica Simpson, who we all know has very publicly battled being all different sizes and why that's anyone's business is another conversation. But <laughs> when she was on the heavier side for her, she was so ridiculously retouched on the cover of Lucky. It didn't end up looking like her. And that was really an example of how magazines, Lucky being one of them, you know, felt that women needed to conform to this certain very thin body type. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, I mean, I so when I I was at Lucky from it would have been like 2009 to 2012. And so I think the body positive movement looked very very different back then. Um it definitely was not mainstream yet and it was starting to grow more on blogs and social media. And so at that point brands weren't I don't know if brands weren't aware of it. Brands brands weren't doing anything about it, I should say, and definitely not magazines, publications, things like that. Like they were definitely still in the era of perfectionism, the photo shoot or the Photoshop perfectionism. And 
So I think, yeah, like you said, there was still so much. And I don't even want to say still there. It's still happening now. But back then it was, um, I guess, acceptable like to scrutinize women's bodies, Photoshop them to perfection. Um, and I think, I mean, I think a lot of magazines have made that mistake. We can, there's been many, but I think Lucky definitely made the big mistake of um, being obvious about it <laughs> because Photoshop was rampant. It was everywhere, but they made it so obvious that it was to the point that they were like, uh, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't the same person. <laughs> exactly. Well, you yeah. yourself became a plus size model a little bit later in your career, as you yeah. said, can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. So I, I was actually, I didn't start modeling until I was 33, 33. Yeah. Which is very late in general as a model. Another unfortunate thing, but <laughs> that's another topic. Um, but yeah, so I was styling for Lane Bryant pretty regularly. And um, back then I would say I had confidence, but I was not who I am today at all. I definitely was still in my era of like, I don't want to go to a pool party because I don't want to be in my bathing suit. I would, you know, do the like, oh, I forgot my suit. I didn't know it was a pool party, things like that, so that I could avoid the situations. Um, and it literally just hit me one day that I was like, God, I'm so sick of the story I'm telling myself of hating my body and not liking what I see in the mirror. And like, I kind of just made a decision like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop talking to myself like this. I'm going to stop hating the way I look and I'm going to stop like waiting to live my life fully um, until I lose weight. And, and and it's funny now I'm like two sizes bigger than I was even back then, but, um, but I'm more confident than I've ever been. So it, I just made that decision and I actually did a social media and Instagram post about it, basically saying something similar and it got so much feedback. Just so many people were messaging me, leaving comments, like really just, like, thank you for saying this, you know, like, this is great. One of those people being the creative director of Lane Bryant. And so she reached out to me and was like, would you want to be in a campaign for us? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I, at the time I was living in Austin. So I flew back to New York um, and I was in my first ever shoot and it actually went so well. Like I was so nervous, but you know, I was friends with the hair and makeup artists and the art director. Like I knew everybody because I'd been as a stylist for them for so long. So I was super comfortable um, once I got on set. And like, obviously I'd been watching some of the best models in the world for years doing it. So it just kind of came naturally um, for me. And then I just started, you know, booking actually with them a few more times, a few more campaigns after that. And then um, started snowballing from there. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, something that you said before really struck me about, um, you know, not wanting to go to pool party because you yeah. don't like the way you looked in a bathing suit. And I think whatever it is for somebody, whether it's that they don't like being in a bathing suit or on a totally other thing, you know, for women, like whether they're waiting to meet their significant other or whether they're waiting for something or other, it seems like a lot of times people stop living, stop doing what they really want to do yeah. until something, until they have enough money for something or, and I just wonder if you can speak to that a little bit, because my feeling on that, I feel very strongly, just do it. Yes. You, know, you don't know, you know, but I'd love to yeah. hear what you think about it. Yeah, I'm there with you. 
Um, I just think it's such a waste of energy to honestly just focus so much on our weight or how we look. Because ultimately, no one cares. You know, I mean, everyone else is so concerned with themselves <laughs> most of the time that no one is looking at you like, look at that girl in her bathing suit. Like, I think, and I've done it, obviously, I've done it too, and I still can do it. I still don't always have the most confident days, but like, Ultimately, I'm not going to waste my life worrying about the number on the scale. I don't even weigh myself anymore, but I'm not, or the size of my jeans. Like, I'm still going to do what I want to do and live my life. And, like, honestly, when I made that decision, I've never felt better. And also, even my dating life got better once I was just like, and nothing changed. I didn't lose weight. I just showed up as a confident person of, like, hey, my, Weight doesn't define me. My pant size doesn't define me. Um, and I'm just going to forward in life because I like myself. And people, I always tell this to my daughter when she was growing up, people really do come in all shapes and sizes. Yes. And that is true. Yes. And, so. and as we've seen, like, you know, unfortunately, bodies have become a trend. And different shapes and sizes come in and out. Um, and as we've seen, especially like the Kardashians, it's like, you know, for the past 10 years, having a certain shape is the trend when like 20 years ago, that wasn't the trend. So it's like, if you're going to beat yourself up for naturally how your body looks, like that could change in 10 years. It's so silly to to have that as your focus. Well, now, and of course I know nothing of, about that, but it seems like they've all jumped on the Ozempic train. Yeah. So they're all super, super yeah. skinny too, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, which... We could we could do a whole you know a whole show just mm-hmm. talking about the Kardashians, which yes. what they've done to society or what society I should say has embraced them so they could do. Yes. One thing that I do want to talk to you about in terms of body positivity, mm-hmm. um, this is a time when you know there's so much about the the danger and the damage that social media does to young girls and really I think to women too yeah they're scrolling through Instagram and people have either a very unattainable shape or they've you know photoshopped or photo manipulated themselves so that they look the best they can look yeah there are some people I follow Katie Storino I think she's terrific she is it seems like there was one size one way to be body positive on a heavier side which is Like you were bigger, but you still kind of had a flat stomach. Exactly. Yeah. And she's not that, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, what can you say to women and girls that are not feeling great after they're scrolling through Instagram? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's so hard. I definitely fall into that comparison trap as well. But I think it's kind of the same thing that we just talked about, where it's like, you know, you have to love yourself first. And, And obviously it's okay to lose. If you want to lose weight, lose weight, but also like don't lose weight because you think it's going to make you a better person. And I think also just trying to like curate your social media feed a little bit as well. So like finding people like Katie that you relate to or like their message, like try and fill your feed with people that either a, you can relate to more or are sending messages that make you feel good. Like no one wants to scroll through and see Photoshop versions of a life and compare like that's not going to bring happiness to anyone. Um, so that would be my suggestion first and foremost is to try and like 
get rid of some of the stuff that maybe triggers you. Yeah, I think that's a great advice. So now let's talk about the advice you're giving to brands and let's talk about Fluffy. Tell us, first of all, where'd you come up with the name? Um, So Fluffy actually started in 2020 as an online magazine that a friend and I did um, because, you know, my industry completely, I was a stylist and model, completely shut down. And I was like, okay, what do I want to do while I'm not really working? And so we put together this like online platform, basically, that was, we called it a space to show up fully as yourself. So it was definitely like body positivity, fashion, uh, just insights in general. We had a lot of different contributors. Um, but that ended up folding like once work started kind of moving again. And I had had this idea for what Fluffy is now for a while. And I wasn't really sure how to put it into what it is now. So I kind of sat on it for a bit. And then when I developed it, I was like, I asked her, I was like, hey, do you care if I use this name? It's such a good name. And like, I feel like it fits. And so she was like, absolutely go for it. Um, So that's where Fluffy came from. And now it is a um, body diversity brand consulting agency. So but basically what we do is we help um, brands navigate the plus size market. So whether that's a fashion brand that you know, maybe only goes up to the standard size 12, wants to go into extended sizing. We help from start to finish on navigating that. Also, a lot of it is the education around, you know, fat phobia, how that plays out in marketing today and fashion today and uh, beauty. Like it's, what I should say is it's not just for fashion brands. It's really for any marketing team that is wanting to um, be more diverse in, in what they're promoting. So that's kind of the gist of it. It's a niche consultancy. <laughs> so you decided you wanted to start Fluffy. Mm-hmm. Pandemic time where a lot of people are reevaluating what they want to do, how they want to do it. And yet people also needed to earn money. And so a lot of people ended up going back into the, to the workforce. Yeah. What made you decide to take what you love to do and try to turn it into a business? Yeah. So honestly, it was kind of a mix of circumstances. Um, My career after the pandemic shifted a lot. Um, I went from working all the time to, you know, a lot of my jobs being cut. And it wasn't anything I did personally. It was just photo shoots. They had gotten slimmed down. They weren't hiring as much. They weren't shooting as much. And so a lot of my income was like gone. And I was living on a much lower income than I was used to. And I also, like I had said before, I had had this idea of helping brands in the move into the plus size market because I was seeing all the mistakes they were making. And it just took me a while to figure out what that would look like. So because I ended up having a lot more time on my hands and um, the money circumstances shifting for me, it was kind of that push I needed to be like, okay, get this, you know, get this done, get started on this. Like, you don't need to wait to become this like hot model or huge influencer to make an impact. And so it was one of those things where it was like, I almost felt it sounds a little woo woo, but I felt like the universe was like pushing me in that direction because of all the circumstances that were happening that it was like, Hey, you need to be doing this, get this out there. By the way, I don't think that sounds woo. I believe <laughs> I believe in that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So do you have any advice for somebody else, either because they really need to be they're really forced to because they're, you know, 
job situation has changed or just they have something that they feel really passionately about that they feel they can add to the conversation if they give it a shot? Yeah, I mean, definitely starting your own business is a lot of work and you spend a lot of time alone. So I would say before you start out on the entrepreneur journey is to try and get yourself a support system around you because you will you have to give up a lot to get things started. Like that's your social life. Um, you know, even finances, they will you kind of have to live <laughs> like very lightly, if you will, um, for a while until things start really moving. Um, so for me, I also I wish that I probably would have gotten like a um, co-founder in the beginning because it would have been very nice to have someone to bounce ideas off of and just keep you accountable while you're working through the hard stuff. Um, So I would definitely recommend if it's not a co-founder, just a support system, either in like mentorship um, or sorry, mentors, um, friends, old coworkers, whatever that looks like. So what are some of the things I read a piece for the continuum that you were mm-hmm. interviewed for? And you talked about one of the things that you help when you're working with fashion brands is figuring out the sizing because it's different when it comes to plus size women. Yeah. So typically, um, like when designers are creating a grading scale for a pattern, they usually go off a of four or six and then they scale down and then they scale up. But once it gets to like the standard size 12, which is what most brands carry, it can definitely start to go wonky because bodies don't, you know, grow linear, linear. And so um, that's when you really should be creating a new grading scale for the bigger sizes, um, which typically, again, is like a 16, 18. And then you would scale down from there and then scale up from there. Um, So I think that's definitely, I mean, that's one little piece of it, but I could think that can be a big hang up for brands because um you know I know that in school we didn't learn how to do plus size grading um, at all. So I I'm not sure now if they're teaching that, but brands that I have talked to, that is something that like they struggle with because there's, you know, a whole new fitting system that you have to do um with fit models and testing the sizing and doing all of that. So that can definitely be helpful. So talking about clothes, um let's talk about dressing for a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, dressing for work has changed so much. Yeah. Everything has changed. People aren't in the office or they're in the office part-time. This is for anybody's shape or size. And yeah. it's confusing often to figure out, you know, how to dress. So whether you're just going back to the office or you have meetings or you're attending conferences, mm-hmm. any suggestions as we try to navigate the new work wardrobe, especially for plus size women? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think the days of like the typical, like New York and company women's like suiting is over. Um, I think people having more of a personal touch in how they dress for work is, is growing. And, you know, I will say I have never personally worked in a corporation, so I definitely have a bit more even when I go into these corporations to work with them I know I dress probably a little bit maybe like trendier (laughs) than a lot of people but like that's my background so I'm just more I'm comfortable dressing that way I would be very uncomfortable dressing like what you think of the standard corporate dresses but I think 
for plus size women, obviously like shopping can be hard to say the least. Uh, We just don't have as many options, especially in store. So I think it's like about figuring out your personal touch, like obviously keeping it work friendly in the sense, like you don't want to be too sexy or whatever, like, because unfortunately, like there's still that, you know, women will be treated differently depending on how they dress, which is like another topic and very unfortunate. But I think it's about like using some of the trends that are happening, but like making it into work friendly, if that makes sense. Well, let me ask you one thing. Shoes. Shoes have changed so much, right? You know, I know that so much people wear sneakers and yeah, comfort is king now. (laughs) Comfort is king. So do you have any good suggestions for places to shop online or in person for plus size women? I'm yeah, um, plus size women is is that even like what somebody should say? What is even the right thing to say? Yeah, I mean, I think that's still the term that everyone uses. It, again, it's like there's like mixed reviews on it, you know. But it's also hard because of how how like ecom and shopping is that it's like it's hard. You kind of have to differentiate it right now because so many brands aren't fully size inclusive, you know, like a brand like Good American is fully size inclusive. Like I, you, they don't even separate their plus sizes. Like every, everything comes in every size. And so, but most brands are still tiptoeing in. So again, it's hard as a shopper. It's confusing. You go to a brand and you're like, oh wait, but they only offer like these three items in a 2X or a 3X. And so I think for now, it's kind of, it needs to happen because it needs to be. Um, easy for people to shop but I think in the future in a fully size inclusive future I would hope we don't even need that label (laughs) so what about some um some great places to shop yeah so are you talking about for a plus size Mm -hmm. just size inclusive well good American as I mentioned they have really great stuff and I think they have a lot of not just casual but like work appropriate wear as well Eloquy is really great they have again it's like a full range of like you know, the cool, trendy, going out stuff to stuff that's work appropriate. Who else? Old Navy, like if you're on more of a budget, actually has good stuff for work as well. Um, sometimes their fit can be a little funny, but overall they also have everything in store pretty much. So that's really great for someone who doesn't want to shop online. Um, Abercrombie now is doing some good extended sizing pants. Um, those are a little more on the casual side, like jeans, cargos, leather pants, but they have like very cool styles for um, people that are over a size 12. <laughs> so in the vein of advice, but on a more serious note, mm-hmm. is there one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life and your career that you can share with us? Yeah. So it actually came from my mom um, because I've always been pretty much someone who's worked for myself outside of Lucky or been like, I've been a serial entrepreneur pretty much. So I've taken a lot of risks. (laughs) Also, just in personal life of moving to new cities by myself, done a lot of that. And every time I have a big decision, my mom has always been like, well, what's the worst that can happen? And if you can live with that, then go for it. And so I always have that in my head with any big decision I make, whether it's career, moving, whatever it is, I ask myself that question is like, can you live with the worst case scenario? And if it's a yes, then just do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.